Does it look like any of you as you came to service this morning? It had to, we had to get out the heavy winter coats. I'm not usually a coat person, but today it had to be done. So anyway, well, welcome everyone. My name is Amanda, and I'm the discipleship director here at Hope Des Moines. I don't know what you thought uh, your day would look like when you got up this morning and, and got ready and, and came to service, but um, when I arrived here this morning at 835, 8.40, I was running a little bit late, going to be honest. Um, that was the moment that John let me know that he is just feeling really, 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 really sick. And so that was the moment where he said that he was needing to go home and that I would need to preach today. So, surprise! <laughs> right? So uh, he had his slides from last night and his message from last night. And um, so... I don't know. Uh, I, I said some words at 9.15, and we're going to go through, and we're going to say some words here at 11. I don't remember what I said. I'm sure it had something to do with Matthew, so that's what we're going to try. And um, Matthew and Joseph, and we'll see where we land. You guys in for it? You ready? Okay. All right. Good deal. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So we're just going to lead with grace today. That's for sure. Um, so the weather, right, it reminds us that it, it's obviously as cold outside. We had a snowpocalypse uh, yesterday afternoon, and it was bad enough here, right, but there are other places where it was a lot worse. Did you guys see that picture? You have to look at that a little bit to figure out what's going on. That's an imprint of the door. That's snow all the way up the door. That was in North Dakota. So we can always be thankful uh, that that is not us. That would have been fun for about... 37 seconds until you realize that some one way or another you got to get out of your house. And so the cold and the weather and the calendar remind us that not only is winter coming, uh, but Christmas is coming as well. And so I don't know how all of you are feeling about that. I imagine that some of you maybe are doing a family celebration this afternoon um, or have lots of things on your calendar for this week. This time of year just always brings out the combination of the best and the not so best in us. Uh, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I will say that's certainly true. I've had conversations this week with people, and you know, one thing that I hear from people who are God-loving, good people, but you know, sometimes you just say, I just can't wait for this to be done. I can't wait for Christmas to be over. Anybody been there with that? Um, it's possible, Jed. It's possible that I was just talking to myself when that conversation happened because I know that I have had that thought more than once, especially sitting around the table with my kids and trying to plan out all of the concerts. And we had a lot of concerts this week, and so that always adds a little bit of extra joy to the holiday season. And uh, so, you know, it can, just be, it can just be a crazy time of year. But it's always important and it's always good because of the craziness to just sit back and pause a little bit, right? And sit back and take it all in and think about what this time of year is actually all about. Um, one of the ways that we can do that, have you guys ever gone out to one of the websites where you can find out your ancestry, like ancestry.com or some of that type of stuff? Um, I had to do that for a school project a couple years ago, and my sister actually has really dug into um, uh, my maiden name is Schrock, and she's really dug into that side of the family. And um, from her research and her digging around, it turns out that there were Schrocks in Pennsylvania at the time of the Revolutionary War. So that's really cool to learn about. Those are not my relatives, FYI. Uh, those are some relatives of John's. Uh, 
I'm sure they're lovely people, um, but as I said, uh, <laughs> this is his message that he gave last night, so I don't know those people, but they're very stoic and very serious looking, and so that's wonderful. Uh, a lot of times, if you look at pictures, <laughs> if you look at uh, pictures, you know, of, of your relatives or, or that, you know, that go back a little bit, it's like smiling was against the law in a picture. Have you guys seen pictures of your relatives? And I don't know if they weren't allowed to be happy or if that was uh, something you just, you just didn't smile for pictures. And so all of the pictures of our ancestors look very uh, stoic and very, very serious. But the thing that, that those websites do for us and the, the thing that we learn when we look into our genealogy is we have this tendency, especially in the United States, to think, you know, that what's here and now is it. That it's like what's really important is what we're seeing here and now. But when we go back through and look at our ancestors and look at the folks who came before us and paved the way for us, we realize that we are actually not just a little point in time. We realize that we are part of a bigger story. And we realize that people have come before, not before us and sacrificed for us, that people have come before us and made choices that impact our lives even today in ways that we really aren't even aware of, but, but instinctively we know that that has to be true. And so learning where we came from can have such an impact on knowing who we actually are. And so when we get to our Bible reading today and we get to the story of Joseph, if you look in Matthew, if you want to open your Bibles to Matthew 1, um, we're going to spend some time in chapter 1 today. But when we start out in Matthew, verses 1 through 17, 1 through 16 in particular, list a whole bunch of names. Now, if you're going through and you're doing like a Bible study, like you're thinking, you know, this is going to be the year, I'm going to get through the Bible in a year or something like that. When you get across, you get to the point where there are these different genealogies and they're spread out throughout the Old and New Testament, you do one of two things. Either you groan and you say, well, I'm just not going to do my reading today, or you celebrate and you think, oh, right, there's 16 verses that I'm not actually going to read, right? So it can either, it can be good or bad. But we tend to skip over those genealogies because it just seems like a lot of names Names are just slapped together on, on the paper, and a lot of times we uh, can't imagine how we would pronounce them, so we just kind of skim over it and we figure that we don't really need to worry about a whole lot. The thing is, in Matthew, the author of Matthew, Matthew, uh, sets this up so that we can get a real sense of who Joseph, Jesus' earthly father actually was. If you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about Isaiah. We talked about Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 through 7, and we talked about some of the history uh, that led up to that point because we said that if we don't know why uh, Isaiah was speaking to the people, if we don't understand some of the hardship and, and some of the promises that God had given them throughout history, if we don't understand that, it's hard to understand what his prophecies even meant, why the people were so anxious and why they were so anticipating a Messiah. It's helpful to understand the backstory. And Matthew understands that. Matthew knows that he has to put together some sort of a backstory as to who Joseph actually was. Otherwise, Jesus is just another baby born in the uh, little region of Nazareth. 
So Matthew goes through and he lists out these folks in the genealogy. Verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Well, we can read about Abraham in Genesis, and he was the one that God called to first and said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. We see Abraham right there in verse 2. And then we skip ahead to verse 6, and we see that Jesse was the father of King David. And so we remember David, and we remember the promises that God made to David in uh, Samuel. In 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, actually, God promised David that someone from his family would rule over Israel forever. And the people of Israel remembered that promise. And when things were going so sideways and when uh, the Babylonians and the Assyrians and then the Romans had taken over, the people remembered that promise that God had made to David and they wondered what on earth was going on. Where was God in all of this? So we see David there in verse 6, and then it takes us then to verse 16 where it says, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. So this genealogy tells us in no uncertain terms who Joseph actually was, Joseph who would be the earthly father of Jesus, the man who would raise Jesus. We hear in no uncertain terms who who. Joseph was, and then because of that, because we see this direct line, Abraham, David, to Jesus, we know in no uncertain terms then David is telling us, hey, look alive, people, this is the guy. This is the one that all the prophets have actually been telling us about. Now, the other really cool thing about this genealogy is it goes through and it shows us all these very, very, very imperfect people who were part of the line that led to Jesus. We can look at these folks, um, let's see, verse 3. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. I think it's Genesis 39. If you want to read about Tamar, Genesis 39. It is not a G-rated story, okay? Uh, not, not one bit. Uh, we get ahead to Rahab in verse 5, also not a G-rated story. In verse 6, as we talked about, Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. So right here in this genealogy, we get a sense of the complete mess that David had made of everything. How when he had summoned Bathsheba to him, and then he ended up needing to kill Uriah because Bathsheba was now pregnant. It is a complete disaster. It's a complete mess. And it's right here. Matthew doesn't try and hide from it. He highlights it. And it's not that God works in spite of our imperfections and in spite of our sin. God, in some way that we don't understand, works through that. God works through these sinful, broken human people to bring the Messiah of the world here to us. <clears throat> Joseph, Joseph as, as a, a descendant of King David, in no uncertain terms, had in the back of his mind who he was, had in the back of the, his mind those promises that God has made, had made to his people throughout centuries. If you were here last week, we focused on Mary a little bit, but this week it, it's on Joseph. And so in order to celebrate kind of looking at Joseph a little bit, we've got kind of a manly movie clip to look at here in just a few minutes. Uh, it's a Russell Crowe clip. It's not Gladiator. I can't show Gladiator in church. Don't be silly. Um, but it's from another one of Russell Crowe's movies, um, Robin Hood. And uh, in this particular scene that we're going to take a look at, Robin Hood remembers 
is remembering this time when he was a child and his father was giving him instruction on who he was, on what it meant to be a part of the family. And his father died then, and as, as the uh, Robin Hood character, who is Russell Crowe, grows up, he is having a conversation with a man who knew his father, and he's getting a sense of who his father was, and as he's remembering then and being reminded of who he is. So let's take a look. Robin Hood's legacy was one of courage, and it was a legacy of rise, rise and rise again against all odds, against whatever is going on around you, rise and rise again, and be who you were called and created to be. We can really get a sense that the same thing is happening with Joseph, right? He is this carpenter, just a very average man from this little village of Nazareth. And Nazareth was a backwater village. It was not any place to be proud of. You wouldn't say, yeah, I'm from Nazareth. And people would not think that that was awesome. Uh, in in uh, John's gospel, when Jesus meets um, a gentleman, the, the, the gentleman says, finds out he's from Nazareth, and he says, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Because it wasn't known uh, for being a land where, where a lot of good things happened. And it wasn't easy to be a Jewish man as Joseph was in the first century there because now uh, the Romans were in control and so uh, Jewish people in the first century in that particular area were really treated terribly. They were kicked around, they were pushed around. He did not have a lot of good things going for him, but what he did have was that he was a descendant of the line of David. And so Joseph thinks he's got his life planned out for him, right? He's engaged. He's going to be married to this lovely young woman named Mary. And as you can, you can only guess that they have imagined what their future might look like together and what that might be for them. And, and uh, I'm sure that as part of Joseph's plan, it was not to have Mary come to him at some point and say, yeah, so I'm pregnant. I wasn't cheating on you. It was from the Holy Spirit. I mean, really? Right? Like, I'm sure that at no point in Joseph's life did he imagine that that was going to be part of his plan. That had to throw him for just a little bit of a loop, right? But the Bible tells us that Joseph, Joseph was a righteous man. And so he, it says in, um, in, in verse 18, it starts with, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a, was a righteous man, and he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quickly. Joseph felt like he had two choices, right? Choice number one was just to kind of let all of this just kind of go, just be quiet about it, just let all of it kind of uh, go away, that he would divorce Mary uh, privately, that he wouldn't make a big deal out of it. He had every right to make it into a very big deal. He could have had her stoned. He could have had her publicly shamed. He could have gone a much different way with this, but he felt like really the only good choice that he had was just to divorce her privately and kind of hope that it would all just kind of go away. But it's interesting because then the angel showed up, and the angel had a third option that Joseph actually hadn't considered. How often do we do that, right? Forget that maybe God has an option that we haven't considered for ourselves yet. And so the angel shows up, and the angel gives Joseph a second option. And it says in verse 20, As Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, 
Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. But the angel shows up and the angel says, Joseph, son of David. Why did the angel say that? The angel needed to remind Joseph of who he was, of the fact that he came from this line of David, that this mattered, that this was important, that this was a signal, a sign, if you will, that God was getting ready to fulfill his promises. He was getting ready to do this thing that he had started so long ago. Now, the other really cool thing about these, uh, the stories of Jesus' birth is that we have angels showing up all over the place, right? We have angels showing up to Mary. We have angels showing up to Joseph. We have angels showing up to Zechariah. Angels are showing up. God is showing up big time to let everybody know that this is the time when things are going to start happening. What's really cool about this is that in the break from Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, until Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, God had been pretty quiet. God had, we read about in, in the Old Testament, there's prophets and they're, they're writing and they are delivering God's messages right up until about the time of the exile. And then from the exile till the first century uh, where we see the angels back on the scene, it's been about 400 years and God has been kind of quiet. We haven't had prophets writing the way that they had been for the period leading up to that. Now, it's not that God was absent. God was still working on behalf of his people. And in fact, the miracle of uh, the oil not running out for his people, for the Israelites, which now is uh, how Jewish people celebrate Hanukkah. That actually comes from that 400 years between the end of the Old Testament as we know it till the New Testament. So God was showing up. God was intervening. But there hadn't been a lot of messages. There hadn't been a lot of direct communication until now we have angels showing up all over the place, reminding people of who they are, reminding people of the way that God is going to use them, reminding people that God has actually not forgotten about them. And so this angel says to Joseph, Joseph, you're not just this ordinary carpenter. I know that's what you thought your life was going to be, but the angel says, guess what? I'm going to kind of change this up, the direction that you're on here a little bit. Things are going to be a little bit different than you thought they would be. What if Joseph had said, no, I'm not up for the way people are going to look at me. I'm not comfortable with the way people are going to look at my wife. I did not sign up for this. I don't want anything to do with it. We all face decisions like that, don't we? We all have different things that come up in our life where it's either it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be uncomfortable. And we can lean into it and we can embrace it and we can say, God, I don't know what you're up to here, but I trust you. Or we go back to what we know and we go back to what we're comfortable with and we go back to our plan. And in the meantime, we miss out on this adventure, this journey that God wants to take us on. This, this uh, genealogy that we see here in Matthew, these were radical God followers, not perfect, very sinful, but these were people who did what God called them to do, who stepped out in faith. Many of the names in this genealogy put their lives at risk to do the right thing. Now, some of them just ran face first into the wrong thing, but many of them stepped out in courage and put their lives at risk to do what God wanted them to do. 
So I just want to ask you today, where, where, where do you fit into that? Where do you feel like when was the last time that you stepped out and did something that you knew that couldn't be done without the power of the Holy Spirit? That on your own work, on our own efforts, on our own skills and abilities, we're relying on ourselves, but instead the Holy Spirit is saying, no, I, I brought you to this challenge and I want to give you what you need to complete it. Because I think that sometimes God provides opportunities for us to experience him in a way that we can never experience when things are going well. I'm not talking about intentional heartache, but there are definitely times when we are faced with opportunities and challenges where God says, if you say yes to this, you're going to feel closer to me than you have ever felt in your entire life. If you're willing to trust me and if you're willing to lean in to this situation that I have for you, you're going to see me show up. And I think God says, Is it, are you willing to trust me? Is it worth it? Are you willing to let me show up for you? Because like I said, it doesn't usually happen when things are going great. I wish it did. When's the last time? that you allowed the Holy Spirit to, to step in and lead you and, and remind you that on your own work, you'd never be able to accomplish whatever it would be. I'm a parent, and I just think about it in parenting all the time. There's no way. Uh, I've got four kids, and there's no way that I could parent my children without the Holy Spirit. There's no way. Um, this weather that we had this last week, it used to be, when I was just worried about myself, it used to be that I really loved the snow, right? I really loved to see it coming down. Well, then in November, things changed because now I've got this driver. She's 16. And now I can't even have the snow, right? Because instead of just thinking, oh, isn't it beautiful? I'm seeing images of car wrecks in my head, right? Every single time. Uh, <laughs> I texted her yesterday. She was at her dad's and she had to uh, go to work at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So I texted her and I said, hey, are you uh, stopping at our house before you go to work? Or are you just going straight to work? Or what's going on? And in typical teenager fashion, she's like, yeah, why? And I just replied back and I said, well, because I just wanted to know when you're going to be on the road so I can plan my worrying slash prayer time appropriately uh, for when you're going to be driving to work and then driving back home. <laughs> now, thankfully, her dad uh, took her to work drove her to work and then picked her up and took her uh, back to his place. So that was, that was very helpful and very wonderful. So I didn't have to worry about that quite as much. But I can't do anything about that. So I have to lean into the Holy Spirit. I have to lean into prayer. I have to lean into the fact that I know that if grace was enough for me, that it's going to have to be enough for my kids. It's going to have to be enough for the people that I love and for the people that I care about. When was the last time you let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit's job is to do? which is to give you the strength to do the hard things. I know that when I look at those gifts out there, I know that there are sacrifices that were made on behalf of some of the people who brought those gifts. I know that you could have bought something for someone else, but I know that you chose instead to buy that gift to give it to a kiddo who otherwise wouldn't get one for Christmas. That's stepping out in faith. I know that when our life groups get together and not just do a study or not just read the Bible, but then get together and serve in some way and actually do what the Bible commands us to do, I know that that takes a leap of faith. I know that takes courage to step out and to do that. But whenever we do, whenever we step out in faith and let the Holy Spirit be who the Holy Spirit is, we're reminded that it's not by our power. It's by the power that rose Jesus from the dead. It's not because of who we are, but it's because of who Jesus is. And so the question is, for this carpenter from Nazareth, 
who had very little going for him, he stepped out in faith. He leaned into who he was as a son of David, as a descendant of David, and became the person that God had created him to be. I've got one short little clip that I want to show you before we go home. Um, it's a commercial for Monster.com, of all things, um, but it does a pretty good job of showing us um, just what it looks like and, and uh, to lean into your calling. Take a look. It's kind of a silly little commercial, but it kind of tugs at you a little bit, doesn't it? Like, <clears throat> I don't know how they got that mechanical stork to actually look sad and disappointed. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. When you think about everything that that stork went through to deliver that baby on his parents' doorstep, if only, right? Uh, but when you think about every single thing that he went through to bring that baby to that family, I just can't help but think about what, what Mary and Joseph went through and the, the turmoil that they went through and, and uh, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth and John the Baptist and everything that they went through and the turmoil that God the Father had to have gone through sending Jesus to earth. Like uh, the worship song that we did earlier said, how did heaven's heart not break on the day that you came, right? How did heaven's heart not break on the day that Jesus left heaven and came to earth to be with us? Jesus didn't endure what he did on the cross so that we could play it safe. Jesus didn't endure what he went through on the cross so that we could kind of shrug our shoulders and bury our head and say, I just can't wait till this season is over. Jesus didn't go through what he did on the cross so that we could just do the status quo. Jesus went through what he went through so that we could have a way to be with him forever. And that's our eternity and our here and now is to lean into who we have been created to be, to step out in courage, to step out on a leaf of faith and to say, I don't know what you're up to, God. I don't know what you're up to, but I trust you because I see how you've been working through all eternity to get us to where we are right now. So God, I trust you that your plans are better than mine. Step out in a leaf of faith. Step out in a leap of faith this week and ask God, what has he created you to be? What is he calling you to be? And expect the Holy Spirit to show up and expect the Holy Spirit to show you more than what you could have ever imagined. Let's pray. Gracious God, we just come before you today and we just say thank you. We thank you for your spirit in this place, God. We thank you for giving us your son, Jesus. God, we thank you that in the midst of all of our just craziness and the things that we say and do to ourselves, God, that you just remind us that we are more than that. We are more than just the, 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 the people that we see here in front of us, but that we are your son or daughter, God. So we lean into that identity today, Lord, and we ask you to show us who you have created us to be, who have you called us to be. And God, I pray that as we leave this place that you give us the courage and the strength to lean into what that calling is, that we would look for ways to pursue you and to become closer to you and grow more and more into the people that you have called us to be. God, I thank you for each and every person in this community. God, I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' precious name that all of Hope Des Moines said together, amen. Go in peace, Hope Des Moines. Have a great week.